Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's not coming up for some reason, but that's okay. I brought my backup notes. Oh, hallelujah. God is here, amen. How many feel his presence? He's in this place. Can we just add a little bit of, take the bass off a little bit? Is that okay? Thank you, Lord. I feel that God is wanting us just to sit at his feet this morning. And that literally means if you feel to get up out of your seat, just come and sit somewhere. Some of us uh, have to take a step of faith this morning. We're stuck in our situations and our problems, and we need to get up. It's time for the church to rise up. It's time for us to take everything that God has done and everything that God has achieved on the cross and through the, His sacrifice, take that and begin to run with it. Because we are walking in the last days. I don't know when he's coming. Nobody knows. But we know that God is doing something. Amen? And he's stirring us. There's a stirring. There's something happening in us, in you and I, as his church, that's calling us to come forth. And that's one of the things I feel God this morning is saying, come forth. Don't sit there. We are so... uh, so passionate about so many things in our lives. Some of us are into the footy. Some of us have been so passionate about the whole political situation. Who cares? I want to see passion for God. Sometimes we're so caught up, and it's true what Bianca said, that we are sometimes so caught up in what's happening around us that we lose focus of what God's called us to do. And we're so caught up in the things of the world. And I'm I'm not saying that we can't go to work and do what we have to do. But that becomes our focus. That becomes what motivates and drives us. And God is calling our attention. And the question is, has he got your attention this morning? Excuse me, sorry. Has he got your attention? Only one person. He's only got the attention of one person. Has God got your attention this morning? Amen. You know, God, the Bible says that God has ears. He can hear. So if you speak, he will listen. Amen? Amen. So it's time to speak up. It's time to arise, church. The Bible says in in the Psalms, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. It's time to get up. It's time to... uh, You know, my topic is this morning is I want to focus a little bit on the woman at the well. And I know it's been... Bianca said some things, and even this morning. And there's... There's so much theology in this one chapter that I could seriously sit on it for months as I was going through it. And I want to talk about this thing called water. Does anyone know what water is? Okay, living water. There's something about water. Some of us are drawn to the water or the surfers here. I don't know if there's any surfers, a couple of surfers. There's something about water. 
When you're thirsty, what, what's the thing that you really want? You want water, right? And, and so I want to talk about this thing called water. Water is essential, right? How long, does it, how long can you live for without water? Three days. Depending on where you live, right? If you lived in the desert, you'd probably be a few hours. If you lived in a cold environment, maybe longer. But there's something about, a, about still water. There's a difference between still water and running water. So what happens to still water when it just sits there for a while? It stagnates. And then you start to see these little mozzies come out of it, all these things. But what happens to running water? It's fresh. It continually comes. And this is what I'm wanting to draw out from this chapter 4 of John. Running water, on the other hand, contains life. It gives life to all those who drink it. And not only does it give life, it continually refreshes you. So if I was to ask you an honest question, you want, if you were to be honest this morning, are you a Christian whose water is still or whose water is running and flowing through them? And you know, this is not a, I don't want you to answer that question, but we are, we are here in the presence of God and, and this is something between you and God. And so God is calling us into this, this water in which it flows through us. And I want to talk about this living water. So what are the effects, first of all, of not drinking water? What happens to us when we don't drink? We dehydrate. Here I've got, we're sluggish. We lack energy. We're confused. We're stiff. Does that remind you of any Christians? It's what happens. And it's time to really be... You know, the Bible says this, that when we take communion, it says that we are to examine ourselves, right? So this morning, God is wanting us to examine ourselves. Are you stiff this morning? Are you confused as to what God wants you to do? And then we need to begin to examine what's inside amen so when we change the emphasis from the physical so we go from the physical which is water we need to drink and we focus on the spiritual it's the same it's the same process it's the same thing how is our walk with God there's this call from from it's really noisy I find the church is noisy at the moment it's very, uh, there's a lot of voices and a lot of different things going on. And we need to slow down and begin to hear God again. Slow down and begin to hear God. Because if I begin to listen to all the Christian voices and non-Christian voices out there, I'm going to get a little bit distracted. And God is wanting to draw us in again and sit at his feet. Sit at his feet and begin to hear begin to listen it's hard it is yesterday i i, I got a, a room in my place which is a garage i turned into a room and i tried to have some quiet time but i constantly heard noises and knocks and things like that it's, it's difficult but it's something that we need to come with purpose like i've said before when you come to god come with purpose don't just come lord what do you want from me what do you have for me today? Do you want to touch my life today? No, no, no. Come with purpose. Lord, I come 
because I want more of you in my life. I remember once, I remember someone once told me, because I asked this question, I said, Lord, how do I get the wife I want? Well, this pastor said to me, just write, write it, write everything you want in a wife, write it down. And I wrote everything down. If you don't let God know what you want, what's on your heart, how's he going to know? Of course he knows, right? We know God knows everything. But God wants you to speak some of these things out. God wants you to begin to lay hold of some of these things and not just wait for your pastors to do that for you or your leaders to do that for you. You are called, each one of us is called to, to seek God out. Amen? So if our lives are not, are not fed from a perpetual spiritual source, which is God, right? If our lives are not fed from this, our inner being or soul will ultimately stagnate and die. You'll just become another chairwoman. That's it. And it's, it, 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 there's a lot of people in church. You know, someone was telling me this week. Um, so let me ask you a question. Are you a Christian or are you a believer? How many Christians here? How many believers? Well, someone told me, I don't know who it was. It was Chris. And he was saying that in the non-Western world, where people, you know, are, are depending on God every day for, their, for everything, they don't call themselves Christians. You know why? Because Christians come with this concept, they only come to church on Sundays. But a believer is different because they are living with God day to day, second to second, hour to hour. So who's a Christian here? There's no Christians in this place. Who's a believer? So we need to change, obviously, that concept. But, but God is calling us. He's calling each one of us into this place of coming out into communion with him. So we, we need to come and draw from him. So I want to read out of chapter 4 of John. Chapter 4 of John. Verse, I'll start at uh, verse... Let me talk about this woman. It's interesting because... He, got her, he, Jesus, has an encounter with this woman and, and Jesus asked her something and in reality had something for her. It was really just a, a way of communicating something, but ultimately he wanted to give her something. And even though we know that it wasn't acceptable for the Samaritans and the Jews to come together, that didn't matter to him because he loved her regardless. He loved her regardless. And if you think about this, he, she came at, at the middle of the day to draw water. And it was customary back in the day for all the women to come in the afternoon. And it be, you know, in the afternoon, they all came and they all, you know, like women love to do, hang out and talk lots, work out what they're going to do next week, what they're going to cook, what, what things they're going to buy. Anyway, I won't go anything further with that. But she was different. She came during the day by herself. And so the, 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 the theologians believed that it was because she was an outcast. People knew her life. She was a woman that, you know, had many men, didn't, wasn't living right. So she came on her own. No one else. And can you imagine she would do that every day? In the middle of the day, 
for those that have been to the Middle East, Israel in the middle day can get quite hot. And so she was going every day there. How many of us are doing the same thing every week? Stuck in the same problem. How many of us at times are frustrated with ourselves that we are the way that we are? Where where we're constantly tripping up on the same things. And so she here she is. She comes to this well for the millionth time, maybe, who knows, to draw water. And here she meets Jesus. And and so I wanna I wanna look at what she says, what Jesus says to her. Jesus says in verse 10, chapter 4, John chapter 4, verse 10, Jesus answered her. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons, his flocks and his herds? And so I want to look at this word that Jesus uses there, this gift. If you knew the gift, it's the first word I want to look at. This word is literally, it literally means something that's freely given and easily transferable. Something that's given to us that it's not meant to stay with us. It's not meant to be like, it's mine. It's mine. You can't have any of anything of what I have. But it's meant, it's sole purpose is to be freely given to others. And so here Jesus says to her, in other words, this gift that I give you is the Holy Spirit. It is God himself. So that he can fill you. And that not only can he fill you, he, it's something that it's going to fill others as you come into contact with them. And, and one thing that I love is that that Jesus leads us to understand is that this gift was offered freely. It was, an, it was a free divine gift. The same way the Holy Spirit is offered to us freely. And this morning, I, I sense God is wanting to really break through in our hearts. That we're not led by the things of this world. That we're not moved by the things of this world. Because the church is going into... I hear it all the time. It's a new thing. Or what is that new thing? Well, that new thing is, is the power of God, is the presence of God, where we will be able to walk with the presence of God that's, that's evident in our lives, like the early church did. And that's my hunger. That's my desire for us as a church. Amen? And so the first thing was that he led us to understand that the gift was free. It's not, a, it's, not as, it's not a result of us seeking God, but it's a result of God's love for us. This woman didn't deserve anything. She wasn't even Jewish. But God was willing to offer her life. The greatest gift, right? 
he offered himself. The second thing is that this gift that was offered had no strings attached. There was no requirement. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever. The gift of the Spirit of God is given as a free act of grace. It is not a response to merit. It's not because we deserve it, but it's, it's God's love reaches its pinnacle when it's offered without merit. When you receive what God gives you, what He's offering you, and I'm speaking to a lot of Christians here. I know that. A lot of Christians today resist this, this presence of God because it requires some sacrifice. And we're going to see that a bit later on. Because Jesus offers her water and this living water and she still doesn't understand. She asks a question about how you're going to draw water. How do you go from God offering you living water and you ask the question, well, how, how are you going to draw that water? So she, her, she didn't understand. So Jesus was quite patient with her. He wasn't going to condemn her at all. And then I want to go to Jeremiah 2.13. I want to touch on this living water a little bit more. Jeremiah 2.13 says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And he and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold, that hold no water. Who is this fountain of life? Who is this river of life? It's God himself. When we understand what God is offering us, He's offering us Himself to, to live out this world, live in this world with Him. It's very powerful. Jeremiah 17, 13 says, The Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be ashamed. Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. There's this, this, there's this one word, this fountain of living waters is right throughout the Hebrew even in even into Revelations in the Greek it's a really interesting word and, and it's powerful in the sense that it it's represents who God is he's this fountain of living water that wants to flow through each one of us Psalm 36 says they are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. So there's constant referrals back to this fountain of life. So I really, as I was meditating on this, is, is that I, I was feeling that God was speaking to my life in this way. That... There are things in my life that persist. And I see it this way. Like when we get... I'll use my wife and, and I as an example sometimes. And this hasn't happened for a while. But every time we'll have an argument, the first thing I'll say is, that's it. I'm not going to church. That's what I'll do. Oh, I don't do that anymore. But I used to do that a lot. And, and there's a lot of us that still do this. We almost like want to punish 
God for what we're going through, almost like it's his fault. But then also I was subconsciously probably punishing my wife because I know that she really wants me there with her. And it was hurting her. And, and so God was dealing with my heart and, and I feel that God was breaking these walls in, in my life that I had just developed over the years. That As Christians, we, we carry stuff. We carry a lot of baggage, right? Does anyone carry baggage? Is it just me that carries baggage? <laughs> but this is this whole thing about this, this river that God wants to jump into is that this river is constantly, constantly changing us. There's, there's no, you know, when, when we get to heaven, it's not going to be, uh, you know, like we're going to change when we get there. It's a process that we're going through now. The Bible says that we're going from glory to glory. And so this living water is changing us as we, as we jump into it, as we let God flow through us. It's changing us from day to day. And I, want, I need that in my life. I don't know if you do, but I know that I do. I know that getting up in the mornings is, can be hard, can be difficult. Doing the day-to-day -day is difficult. I often say, God, I'm sick of doing the same thing every day. I need more. I need something. I just need something different. I need you. That's the, that's the reality. I need more of him. And so Jesus make the, makes these two claims for those who drink this living water. They will never thirst again, and they will have eternal life. It produces eternal life. It's almost like Jesus is saying, as soon as the Holy Spirit fills you, you're already walking into eternal life. You're already walking in, those, in that realm in which you can access the power of God at any moment, at any time. Thank you, Lord. I love that Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit in this way. And, and John is very particular. He, he talks about the Holy Spirit in many ways. This same word talks about baptizing of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the same reference. Born of the Spirit in John 3. In Him, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So it's all right through Streams of living water will flow from within us. Another counselor will be given unto you. The counselor whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. That's the same words. It's the same words in the Greek. This, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And he's here this morning. He's not a force. Because we often refer to him as, a, as something. He's real. He, he, he's, he can think for himself. He's God. And so we need to allow him to come into our lives. The moment we see him as a thing, then we cannot relate to that thing. Change your mindset this morning. Understand that he's not a thing. He's not this that comes. No. He's a, he's a gentleman. It's funny I say that because this week while I was praying... And I know he's a gentleman, and I know that he will always come in such a way that he's gentle. But I said to him this week, I said, I don't want you to be gentle anymore. I just want you to invade my life. Flip it upside down. I want him to do what he needs to do, right? 
What else could go wrong? What else could go wrong? I trust him. Amen. I trust him. And so it, it's, it, it's my heart that I want to share with you that, and, and that I feel so strongly the Holy Spirit wanting us to build that relationship, to come, to come. In these last days, more than ever, more than ever, He's here to lead and guide us, to draw us into the presence of God. So receive this morning, receive it. Receive the words of eternal life. Amen. So where is it now? Where did I write it? The Spirit in us is an active, and this is what it should be, right? The Spirit in us is an active, powerful, life-giving spring flowing with amazing water pressure. And if we follow his leading, will enable and propel us to do things far beyond our own abilities. And that's what God's calling for today. He's calling for normal people like us, filled with the power of God to do extraordinary things. To preach the word. It's, it's true what my sister said, that we come here to regather and refill and go out in there, that's where the work needs to be done. Where people are hurting, people are dying. By giving us the Holy Spirit, and this is what's powerful. Instead of the woman having to go to the well to draw water, Jesus said, you know what? I'm bringing the well to you. So you no longer have to go looking for, to be filled from something, for the things of this world to satisfy us. Jesus says, I change it. I flip it around and this, this is what I do. I bring you the well. The well's in each one of you this morning. All we need to do is let it flow. Allow God to change you. Allow God to flow through you. And it, it's, it's a powerful thing when he, you allow that to happen. So I want to talk a little bit before... I am running out of time. But uh, I want to talk a little, a little bit about one thing... Sorry, in my iPad I had all my notes nice and neat, but here they're all over the place. But I want to talk about, oh yes. So when Jesus said to her um, to go and get her husband, right? It was interesting because he knew that she didn't have a husband or had a few. And so she responds with this, well, I, I don't have one now. And Jesus said, well, that's right, you had five, and now you, you're, the one you're with is not your husband. It's interesting that Jesus says that because her last comment literally was, can I, have, can I drink from this living water? And what did Jesus bring up? He brought up her life. She had to deal with her reality. Do you want more of the presence of God in your life? We have to deal with our sin. We have to deal with our own failures. Because until we deal with that, that water won't flow as it needs to flow. And so he addressed it. He addressed it. And she kind of, once she heard this, she kind of backed off and said something about, you know, your fathers worship here and they don't. And Jesus, she took it into another place because she was confronted with truth. And that truth was, well, 
you want the living water, then look at your life. Are you living it right? We can't expect the fire and the power of God in our life if we're not really interested. If we're living, you know, like this, one side of the fence and the other side of the fence. And so God is calling us to jump on the right side of the fence. Revelation says, you know, he wants us to be hot or cold. Decide. But when we're lukewarm, we're in that middle ground. The, 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 well, the Bible says that he will vomit us out of his mouth. It's pretty gruesome, isn't it? <laughs> but he's trying to make this clear to us that, you know, you can't play around. And God wants us to come in and draw in. And you know what? The woman, what did she do? What well, was really interesting that at the end there, the Bible says that the, the, the apostles came from grocery shopping. Because they had gone out to get Jesus lunch. Because, you know, they had, he hadn't eaten. Apostles come back and they say, why are you talking with this woman? You know, you shouldn't be. And then it says that she had left her pot and went into town to let people know what had happened. It wasn't common for a woman to leave her tools of the trade, really. She left everything she had. It wasn't important anymore. She left it there at the feet of Jesus and she ran to tell others what God had done in her life. So if you, if you can understand that, that, that God is wanting us to lay everything down, the things that hold you, the things that make you you, that, that you're stubborn, there's anger, there's frustration, there's bitterness. God wants you to lay it at his feet this morning. And God wants you to just draw closer. I, I might get the worship team out. I feel God wants to minister to some of us. It's okay to not be okay. That's the, the thing at my work. We have Are You Okay Day. And then there's this video that comes on that says, it's okay to not be okay. And I want to tell you that as a Christian, it's okay to not be okay. This is why we come here on a Sunday and when we're not well, we come we come into God's presence and we let him heal us. God wants to heal us for what's coming next. God wants to fill us. And God wants to let the wants to put this river, wants us to tap into the river of God so that the presence of God can flow through you. What will they write one day on your tombstone? Will they write lived a good life, built a good home, had a good family, or will they write as a follower of Jesus? Made an impact for Jesus. That's what God's calling us, church. To not sit down anymore. Not trust that chair that we sit on. Because it's comfortable. God's calling us out to the uncomfortable. To deal with the things that need to be dealt with. And so this morning, I've asked the, the team to sing a song for us that I felt God put on my heart. And I want to open up the altar this morning for you to come. And it's a symbolic thing, right? 
Because we know that God is omniscient. He's everywhere. But the fact that you're taking a step and you're saying, God, I need you to heal me. I want to be part of what you're doing in the church. I want to be part of seeing my family changed, my friends changed. But it starts with me. It starts with us, church. We're calling for revival and and God will bring revival and it starts with us. It starts with us. Every revival started with a great move of repentance. Where yeah, I've heard, I've heard where I've literally heard stories of when God began to move, there were people rocking up to the police station confessing what they had done. <laughs> they'd stolen this or they'd, they'd done this wrong. And the police, say, they would say, well, we don't want to know. What do you want us to do? Because these were things that they had done years ago. Police had no idea. But when God begins to move and he, his power begins to come, nothing can stand in his presence. And so this morning I say, let us come. Let us come as we sing this song. Let us come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So stand up, sit down, kneel down, whatever you want to do this morning. But God is calling you to come. Whatever it is that you need to lay down, whatever it is that you need to ask God to change in your life. Don't harden your heart, God says. Do not harden your heart. Come. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing this song. Come to the wall.